Hey everybody, how's your summer going? Mine was alright, I did a bunch of traveling and work was cool, but my pomegranate tree died, so that was a bummer. Yeah. How was yours? Yeah. Anybody I'm, else? I've been I, having a great summer. That's good. I, I spent my summer getting my crotch fixed, but uh, I've already talked at great length about that on this podcast. Alright, oh. how, well, how's it doing now? Pretty good. Uh, the flexibility is mostly there, and uh, yeah. I should probably start uh, exercising again pretty it's soon. It's springtime for Steve's crotch. Well, we yeah. haven't done the Yacht Rock crotch watch in a while. Well, my summer sucked. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Hunter. Yeah, I didn't have a vacation. I didn't see a single movie. Twin Peaks was kind of a slog for me. Oh, oh man. Twin Peaks sucks now. I hate it. <laughs> You're both wrong. Uh, well, even if you liked it or not, you have to admit it was it was it it, it was a slog. Oh, I enjoyed every single episode until I figured out what it was all about. Which you had was nothing. <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's it was like, it was kind of like walking through the snow. Depending if it was a nice day or not, I don't know. It's up to your mood, but it was like walking through the snow. Man. It's more about the Buddhist cycle of reincarnation. I'm still four episodes away from the finale. I've been, oh. I've been, I've been well, away. enjoy it, Dave. Thanks. Uh, Game of Thrones, I thought was a lot of fun, uh, but it was mostly ruined by everybody who had an opinion about it, like through think pieces or Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, that- how, how is that different from any other season of Game of Thrones? That this one was just pure unadulterated fun, and mm-hmm. people had the most hate of any season. I, I think, love for the it. shit out of it. It, it was, was just, just a dumb, it, fun dragon show. Yeah, then that's what the. Yeah, anyways, yeah. It, but it was a bummer. I mean, I, uh, I honestly, I may, I may have enjoyed summer if I actually had uh, time to notice it was even here. Because every time I swear to God, every time I blinked, another month was gone. I guess the malaise of Moonshots 2000 really set my mood for this summer. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's a new day, and I want to make a change before it ends. Uh, I need something to lift make that change. I gotta, li- I gotta, I need something to lift my spirit a bit before summer's officially over. And then Steve bums us all out for another uh, three seasons with his ache part six, seven, and eight. Hey, I got some good shit coming up. You're all gonna want to stay tuned for this. Yeah, I need a, good stuff. I need a sound that no matter what you're feeling uh, makes you want to have fun, maybe dance, and I dare you say get a little wacky. Uh, if I can't have a physical vacation, I need an audible one. I want to relax under a metaphorical palm tree and get bopped on the noggin by today's genre. That's right, we are going to talk about wacky coconuts. That was Shake Your Coconuts by Junior Senior, and this is the Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast, Internet Podcast. We count down songs and genres we make up. Today's genre is called Wacky Coconuts. <laughs> that sounds like a great genre. Yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah. We'll talk about it. It's a bad day to do Wacky Coconuts. My name is JD Riznar. Hi, I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. Uh, Hunter. And we invented the term yacht rock, so we'd like to throw a bone to yacht rock fans every week. And this time we have a very special week because Walter Becker kicked the bucket. Yep. Yeah, more good news. Tits up. So I guess we're not going to talk about what the original bone throw was. Oh. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I didn't set up this joke. Uh, Dave wanted a bone throw a Hey 19. (laughs) 
And he was like, I didn't have anything to say about the song or album. I just wanted our story going to see them and have them each talk about what they meant to us. But And then I re- and I immediately responded, nice cop-out, asshole. And yeah. I, said, I, was, already- I was in a third world country trying to figure out how to shit in a hole in the ground. And I, uh, I thought, fuck it. And hey, it was, hey, 19. And it was nice to... Uh, I was on Gaucho. That's their most Yachty album. Yeah, it was a, ni- a nice... I heard you say. It was a nice way to uh, to evoke emotion yeah. in somebody's passing in order to just, you know, enjoy your vacation. Yeah, and not, and not have to <laughs> research any more goddamn Yacht Rock. <laughs> uh, this is this is why you're important. You're important because you hate Yacht Rock. That's why you're important to everything you do. <laughs> I don't hate it. I'm just—it's just starting to wear a little thin. You don't have to—you don't have to defend yourself. Just enjoy your importance. Um, okay, so Walter Becker's dead. Sucks balls. We're—we're we're talking regular Glenn Fry having dead, and I'm super yeah. glad I got to see Steely Dan with him a couple of times. What a show! Yeah, yeah me I, too. Yeah. I saw him for the first and now last time last summer. God, so I so just—I yeah, just squeeze it in. They put captains' hats on for us. Yeah, they did something for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're dark, and they sarcastic humor. So this song, Josie from the Asia album, that's written by Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, is one of the few songs on Asia with guitar solo by Walter Becker. Here it is right here. There's part of it. He was good enough to take the back seat and let crazy talented guitar players take it take the turn every now and then. Uh, but Walter was awesome in his own right. Like the guitar solo here and this song is much like Walter Becker himself. It's quiet and unassuming, but <laughs> silent. Yeah. It's great enough to to stick with you even though you didn't realize it affected you so much. And the opening riff of it is pretty iconic too, especially for Dan fans. That might have been Dean Parks or one of the other lead guitar players. There's like three lead guitar players on this song. Um, Walter was originally Steely Dan's bassist, along with being obviously one of the driving forces of the band. Uh, but he moved over to guitar after the band started using basics like bassists like Chuck Rainey. Yeah, they used him first on the song Pretzel Logic. Um, he was and, a perfectionist that kept getting replaced. Yeah, because <laughs> they're more perfect than me. Yeah, and never got any credit because nobody knew if it was him or some other yeah. incredible musician. Yeah. Just seating it was such an important thing to do. Um, so he figured it was done. Play bass if they could get somebody that good. So Chuck um, Rainey is on this song, and um, you know Walter is taking the back seat again. He seemed comfortable there. Um, I, I wanted to talk about personal uh, feelings about Walter Becker. And I remember we were making the show. Uh, our good friend, Todd Bishop, played Walter Becker. That's not really Walter. Oh, and okay. I was, I was, putting, I was putting a wig on him. And the thing about Walter Becker is he's got the Sherman Helmsley hairline that starts mm-hmm. like in the middle of his head. And that's when he was in his 20s. And, and he gets like, one kind of long yeah, straight yeah. over the top. Yeah, there. and it looks like the dude's going bald at a super early age. But you look at him late in life. That's just how his hair yeah, was. He's still hanging it on to it. It didn't move. He just had a big ass forehead for his <laughs> giant music brain. Yeah. yeah, brain full of uh, yeah. Well, you just said it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what Walter Becker meant to me. <laughs> his giant forehead mm-hmm. full of music magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, Remind me of uh, Eric Stoltz and Mask. <laughs> except, except not as handsome. Not <laughs> um, let's Yatsky this one for Walter. It's what he would have wanted. Walter was like, what do they make? What's Josie? That was his last words. Uh, what Yatsky scored what did Josie? Do- Donald, <laughs> what Yatsky scored did Josie get? A hundred, Walter. It got a hundred. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Were you guys the ones who didn't put Hey 19, like, essential? 
Because it's not essential. Fuckers. Um, it is. Absolutely. I think this song is a lovely Yacht Rock song. Um, it's got a really nice, interesting Steely Dan bounce. It's very original. But what, year? what year? It's 77. It's on Asia. Okay. Right. So this, this, um, this is really This is a hit song. It reached number going. 24, I think. Thinking off the top of my head. That's a good number. It doesn't feel essential. It doesn't feel high 80s to me either. There's just something more, slightly more classic rock about this song. Yeah. Um, Did you give a number already? I didn't. I'm hmm. going to say 82. That's the number I had in my head, but as when you said classic rock, it changed a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go 78. All right. Steve, do you have any thoughts about this song in the Yatsky context? I, I, it's, it's just missing essential for me too. But I'm gonna go a little bit higher with it than you. I'm gonna give it an 87. Uh, Hunter, it's weird. Uh, it's got a weird sort of funk thing going. Yeah. For it, which, it, but it's smooth as fuck and it has a lot of changes, a lot of twists and turns, in mm-hmm. it, which is good. It's the hallmarks. But, you know, it's not that funky, so I, I don't think I can put that down. It just, it's interesting for them. It's very relaxed. I like it. It's got a good sway. Uh, for, uh, for, for Walter, I'll give it 100. <laughs> for reals? Yeah, fuck it. That's the totally meaningless scale that we're talking about here. See? That's what I've been saying. All right. It's an 86... 0.75. Of course, it's the Yacht Rock song. Uh, and I'm going to cut the music right now. You know what? 86 it's, is... It's that's, re- a, that's a good yeah. number. Perfect, yeah. yeah. See, 100. Yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense. Um, so I'm going to cut the music now because, you know, we could talk about well, how we felt about him all along, but uh, Donald Fagan wrote a really nice letter in... <laughs> Donald Fagan, come on, guys. He wrote a really nice letter in Rolling Stone. His name is Fagan. Get over it. Uh, Steve's going to read that letter for us. This is this is. Wait, I, I just want, for the record, to confirm: you want me to read several long paragraphs? Yes, because you're the best at it. You're the most practiced. Yeah, you're All the right, experience. Fantastic. Here we go. And you didn't write it, so it might be interesting. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're very interesting. Go Steve. back to India, Dave. <laughs> Oh, it's like he's in the room. (laughs) Walter Becker was my friend, my writing partner, and my bandmate since we met as students at Bard College in 1967. We started writing nutty little tunes on an upright piano in a small sitting room in the lobby of Ward Manor, a moldering old mansion on the Hudson River that the college used as a dorm. We liked a lot of the same things. Jazz from the 20s through the mid-60s, W.C. Fields, yeah, he's real good. <laughs> the Marx Brothers. Yeah, they were good, too. Science fiction. Nabokov, as Sting pronounces it. Kurt Vonnegut, Thomas Berger, and Robert Altman films come to mind. Also, soul music and Chicago blues. Like the Blues Brothers. Just Walter, stick to the- <laughs> Walter had a very rough childhood. I'll spare you the details. Luckily, he was smart as a whip. An excellent guitarist and a great songwriter. He was cynical about human nature, including his own, and hysterically funny. Like a lot of kids from fractured families, he had the knack of creative mimicry, reading people's hidden psychology and transforming what he saw into bubbly, incisive art. He used to write letters, never meant to be sent, to my wife, uh, sorry, in my wife Libby's singular voice that made the three of us collapse with laughter. 
His habits got the best of him by the end of the 70s, and we lost touch for a while. In the 80s, when I was putting together the New York Rock and Soul Review with Libby, we hooked up again, revived the Steely Dan concept, and developed another terrific band. I intend to keep the music we created together alive as long as I can with the Steely Dan Band. Signed, Donald Fagan. All right! Wacky Coconut! Y'all ready for this? Um... I want you to. That's I want great you. Timing. I want you to do that exact same thing after this intro, and I think you'll know why. Okay. Uh, um. Okay, guys. Simple up top. Ex- wait, wait. Pause. You have two songs here. After this song, or after? No. After, okay. after the entire intro. Yeah. Right okay. before we about to get into ten. Okay. Um. I liked how JD uh, basically gave the entire definition of his last genre in one sentence, and then broke it down afterwards and made it more confusing. Using, so I'm going to do that too. Um, so simple up top explanation. Uh, wacky coconuts have two audible parts to them. One, a comedic undertone through verbiage. And two, a sonic experience evoking a, celeb- a celebratory sabbatical. <laughs> so it's, it's songs about coconuts, right? <laughs> so number one, coconut is a goddamn comedy word, fellas. Mm-hmm. It's a wacky fruit. It's... Three wacky syllables and a compound of two wacky words, cocoa and nuts. Uh, correction alert, I originally called it a portmanteau, but uh, uh, but it's absolutely not, and JD corrected me on this. Do you want to still yell at me? Nope, it's okay. just a compound word, not a, not a portmanteau. If it were called cocuts, then we'd be talking portmanteau. Okay. Ah, so, just saying the word coconut makes someone uh, in something humorous. Up your butt with a coconut. See, yeah, Dave gets it. Oh, that um, sounds painful. Here's here's a bit from Neil Simon's play, The Sunshine Boys, that uh, that I found on Wikipedia that totally fits. It's about funny vaudeville words and as explained by an aging comic. Steve, read this. Oh, you, uh, you want me to read another long paragraph? Yeah. But may- okay, here we go. go. But this guy is an old vaudeville comic, so... All right, I'll do him in a 30s newsreader voice. After seven years in this business, you learn a few things. You know what words are funny and which words are not funny. Alka-Seltzer is funny. You say Alka-Seltzer, you get a laugh. Words with K in them are funny. Casey Stengel, that's a funny name. Robert <laughs> Taylor is not funny. Cupcake is funny. Tomato is not funny. Cookie is funny. Cucumber is funny. Car keys. Cleveland. Cleveland is funny. Maryland is not funny. Then there's chicken. Chicken is funny. Pickle is funny. Cab is funny. Cockroach is funny. Not if you get them, only if you say them. <laughs> there you go. And thank you, Steve. And bang, coconut fits. And plopping it into songs give it a merry spirit like this actual vaudevillian-esque uh, tune here. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. This this playlist this this is one of the first ones that popped into my mind when you said you're going to do a genre called wacky coconuts. So this playlist must be amazing if you're burning that one in the intro segment. It's, it absolutely is, Steve. It's amazing. Uh, I'd say that song was proto-Wacky Coconuts, and why isn't it perfect for the genre, you ask? Well, the comedic use of coconut is grand, and it's about a day at the fair. Uh, musically, but musically, it's a bit drab for these modern times, so let's switch it up here. Oh, we're going to get even wackier than that one? Yeah, okay. Ah, the Caribbean. Can you hear it? 
Uh, it's a place I've never been, unless you count Southern Florida. It must be magic, since that was where Sinbad's su- summer jam always took place. Uh, I hear these island rhythms, and I'm there relaxing and enjoying a coconut. For a person with winters or someone braving the hustle and bustle of the big city, this is a, vaca- this is a vacation in musical form. Obviously, calypso and reggae are the most common forms, and uh, I'm honestly not attuned enough to accurately pick out any other intricacies of the rhythms, but nevertheless, uh, it's these Caribbean forms of music that fulfilled the second rule of Wacky Coconuts, and uh, you can kind of hear that here on uh, Raffi. This is Raffi with the song Coconut. Yeah, I listen to this and I think, wow, the word coconut fits a Caribbean rhythm in much the same way that motherfucker fits a, 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 an aggressive hip-hop loop. Yeah, that's great. Coconut. <laughs> coconut. Uh, another point I should make. Uh, coconut. Yeah. yeah. Good, good work. Nice. I, I like, and you're having fun because this, this is a fun, jaunty little tune here, right? right? And yeah. who doesn't like to listen to Raffi? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As Nobody, a grown man. Nobody says coconut with a frown. No, no. Or, coconut. or really, but what I'm saying is they don't play this music with a frown either, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I should make another point. These aren't really made by the citizens of the Caribbean because for the most part, their songs come from a perspective <laughs> of actually living there. Uh, they are nuanced and often serious. They aren't just vacation songs because it's their home. Uh, the rhythms are more are upbeat more often than not, but uh, the subject matter is real. Wacky coconuts are really made by folks who view the Caribbean as an escape rather than a reality. For the most part, there are a few ex- uh, exceptions. So this you're, is, you're so saying there's like Coco Cadabra. Caribbean Cadabra. Well, Africadabra is not is not funny. It's not. Right. It's not being wacky. I know, no. but you're saying you're saying this isn't from the people. It's people who think they've been there. Yeah, yeah, it has, Coco, Coco it has that. Has that too. It's still co-opting a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But not in a mean-spirited way. No. Of course not, because it's about it's, coconuts. Yeah, and it's about coconuts, it's about having fun. Like, Africadabra is more about, like, a political statement. You want to, you know, end apartheid, set somebody free, brag about your roots, whatever. I mean, these wacky coconut songs, I would argue, want to set people free from the stress and pain in their lives. Yeah. Absolutely, the, they're an escape. Set mm-hmm. people free from not being happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, uh, so as I explored this dumb genre... Uh, that started out as just hey songs now. about coconuts. I realized that it's <laughs> it's a kind of a real thing, and you know what? It doesn't need to be just about coconuts. So, like, would you say that Deo is a wacky coconut, or is that like more like a silly banana or a serious banana? Or yeah, because it, it never coconut. mentions coconuts, but it's a very fun song, which is in direct contrast with its very serious lyrical tone. That's, that's which is true. But we'll get about, in, about working, we're, hauling we'll, bananas. We'll get in. We'll get into Belafonte a little bit later. Okay. Um, but the short answer is yes. Deo is a wacky coconut song. Mm-hmm. The long answer is maybe. Okay. Huh. It is a longer word than yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so while this this song, or, excuse me, while the song, these songs, uh, they don't have to mention coconuts. You bet your sweet coconutty ass, all these songs do at least mention one coconut, just to drive the fucking point home. <laughs> Thank God, I was gonna have to quibble with everything uh, otherwise. Some more than others. Uh, so let's wait before we get into it. <laughs> quibble. Uh, that's a funny word too. Yeah. While we're all laughing it up. 57 years in this business, you learn a few things, Dave. Like how to quibble. See? 
Uh, I just want to mention one thing. Um, there's that reality thing I mentioned a second ago. Well, there's actually something very real happening at this exact moment while we were recording this and probably still happening when this airs, and that's Hurricane Irma. Uh, when I started putting this dumb show together, uh, Harvey hadn't even hit yet. I had no idea something like that would be coming, and I apologize for the insensitivity. With that said, I want to spin this around and ask you all to help support those picking up the pieces of the devastation I assume is going to be caused by Irma. Uh, this music has given us joy, and it comes from a real place in uh, need of help, a place that has historically been used as a punching bag by colonial powers. So if you have the means, please try to give to those who are trying to give a hand to those in need. Okay, on with the show. Are you ready? Wacky Coconuts! Coconuts! Y'all ready for this? American Top 40 I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> I'm in prison, been in for over two years, completely naked. And it's so good, so right. Number 10. All right. Uh, so I figured we'd start about as coconutty as possible up top. And this is Kid Creole and the Coconuts with oh. the song Don't Take Away My Coconuts. This is pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little too on the nose, which is why I'm putting it at number 10. Uh, I believe it's, this is... It's like, an, it's like an Almond Joy covered in more coconuts instead of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> more like Coconut Joy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I, I believe this is uh, officially from 1981. For my research... Uh, it was released as a single in the UK and France in 1981. The version we are listening to now is from 83, uh, and it was released about two minutes longer and packaged with Malcolm McLaren's Africadabra hit Soweto. Yeah, that was badass. Uh, a, new, a new version was released on released by the Coconuts as background s singers on their debut album in 1983, uh, but Kid Creole still sings it, and it acts as the intro to the to the album and to the band, I guess. Uh, this is on. Uh, this is. It was then placed on their 2002 release of his 1983 album Doppelganger. Oh, which, so he was watching Twin Peaks too, which was uh, pushed to his best ofs from that point forward, and which you can find on Spotify. You hear that chorus? Kind of, kind of makes you realize where uh, Michael Jackson was inspired to get "Say, Say, Say" from. Because he says yeah. the same word three times. That's yeah. right. There it is. Dave knows where musical inspiration comes from. Yep. Three times. This song was going to be called "Say." Yeah. Might, uh, might be onto a genre here, folks. Oh yeah, like that Tony, or like the original version of that Tony Orlando song, "Knock Once." Yeah. Mm -hmm. Knock once on the ceiling. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just going to talk uh, a lot about Kid Creole, apparently, uh, from the looks of this paragraph. He's not to be... Uh, can I just point out real quick, he just said shake and bake. He said it twice. I want to point out this is a product that was uh, actually advertised on television in the 80s. People might not get the reference it's, anymore. It's still around, right? It's still, it's still so. around. It's just not heavily advertised now anymore. Now you just get panko breadcrumbs. Yeah. So for you kids, shake and bake was a product you put a raw chicken leg into a bag, bag with shake and bake in it. You yeah. shake it and then just bake it. Oh, I it was supposed make that. To, yeah, it was supposed to be like the breading on fried foods, except you would bake it so it would be healthier. 
And I assume it, I, I assume it was basically half MSG. I don't really know. <laughs> well, half sodium at least. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Kid Creole. He's not to be confused with Kid with how many Ds, Steve? Two Ds. Two Ds. Kid Creole from the Furious Five, who's yeah. been in the headlines recently. That dude's going under. <laughs> uh, Kid Creole, the one we're talking about now, is more commonly known as August Darnell. Uh, was born in the Bronx and had dreams of becoming an actor. He settled on music, but not with uh, of the character work. He said Kid Creole was a character he played. Uh, he originally co-founded Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah Band, which was a big band disco amalgamation. Uh, they had a hit in 1976 with the song Cherchez la Femme, uh, Si C'est Bon. He, le- uh, he left to become Kid Creole, uh, taken from the Elvis film, in the same name. No, no, no. That was oh. King Creole. You're right. It was inspired by King Creole. Okay, yeah. I'll accept that. And uh, who Darnell, the Kid Creole character, he described as a flamboyant devil may care bon vivant. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough did of those it, wait, these days. Did this come before or after Buster Poindexter? You know what? That could be its own that's, genre. That's I bet very interesting. About the very same time. Oh, because he, he sounds like uh, Buster Poindexter, but looks like Morris Day uh, meets Jim Carrey's character from The Mask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, they all had a kind of a Cab Calloway thing going on. Yeah. Uh, so Kid Creole, he brought in the Coconuts, who were his trio of female background singers, very much like the three girls in the new Twin Peaks. Uh, and in, and included, which included his then wife Adriana uh, Kagi. Um, I was introduced to Kid Creole and the Coconuts from the movie Against All Odds, oh. which I sat and watched for this podcast with, for like Divorce Corps, mm-hmm. and uh, they chewed the fuck out of every scene they had. So if you need another reason to watch that movie, there you go. You think he's saying he doesn't want the antagonists in this song to take away his background singers, the Coconuts, or I think I think, think a little bit. I think he's it's not more literal. Like he's got some lovely a lovely bunch of coconuts that he doesn't want them to be taken away. Yeah, Buster Poindexter's trying to take his background singers. Uh. Uh, Buster Poindexter didn't come out till like '87, so this guy is the uh, the clear for they're just they're just uh, devil may care bone bones coming at him like fucking zombies, like devil may care zombies. A lot of flamboyance. I all want his background singers. This uh, this song has that uh, music musical trope of uh, you can but don't, or maybe don't but. Just kind of list the opposite of what you want. Don't know much about history by Sam Cooke, or maybe Girl Don't Go Away Mad by Motley Crue, or like away. Blue Suede Shoes. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Shake and Bake. Let's see. He talks about wacky foods. I don't think I have to justify that this song is wacky. He's being wacky. He's yeah. being wacky. Oh, totally. He's talking about candy bars. Talking about sweet tooths. Yeah. yeah. You ever? Everybody. Everybody you knows him, that. I'm oh, sorry. No. You see him perform this live. He's like real shaky and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good time, a little wacky yeah. time. Yeah, I'm a goof. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. And he's got some fat boy-esque uh, beatboxing in there. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows that songs about food are kind of inherently wacky. Like Weird Al knows yeah, it. Yeah, he knew it. Louis Jordan knew it way back in the day, the, the, the early jazz rock and roll days. That's right. Everybody knows it. Casey counts him down. There was one special guy who I really liked a lot. His name was Michael McDonald. Number nine. <laughs> hey guys, have we have Abba on the show yet? Not? Abba, no. I don't think so. Think so. <laughs> wacky, wacky coconut over there. <laughs> uh, if, uh, well, we do now. 
This is sitting in the palm tree uh, from 1974's Waterloo, the album that made him famous. Uh, fun fact, the percussion is played by a Gambian native, Milando Gassama, mm. uh, who I think was kind of Sweden's Paulino da Costa. Because Thank God we finally found the Swedish <laughs> answer to Paulino da Costa. Because you remember all the Swedish names that we've mentioned? Uh-huh. He played with them all. Oh, like Ted Gerdesturd? Gerdesturd <laughs> and Harpo. Mm-hmm. And that other guy that we haven't mentioned enough. Um, he even played uh, with, later, he played with David Sanborn, Steve Gadd, and Al Jarreau. Uh, he was also in the band The Super Eagles, which I assume is way better than the stupid American Eagles. Yeah. This song has such a sweet Caribbean vibe, but it's almost as white as Jimmy Buffett. How do you sit in a palm tree? It's whiter than Jimmy Buffett. But these guys are from Sweden. They've never <laughs> seen the sun in their lives. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like the, the Arctic Circle literally runs through their country. There is a very racist definition of the word coconut. It refers to a dark-skinned person that acts white, sort of brown on the outside, but white at its heart. Oh, like like Oreo is, yeah. is used. Yeah, I never heard coconut. Yeah, I've always heard Oreo. It's frequently used to describe any person of color that played with ABBA. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Call up the coconut. I think he just created that. So you can get to that joke. <laughs> I don't know if it was worth it. Uh, okay, a- Abba here was... Did you make up that definition? No, no, I went to Urban Dictionary. And... <laughs> Somebody else made it up. Um, well, to be fair, everything is made up. Yeah, good point, Dave. I mean, at some Re- point, somebody yeah. made it up. I mean, reality is an illusion, after all, as yeah. we learned from Buddhism. You've been listening to Rush? Where do you want me to go? Yeah, you want go. me to move on? Is keep, that what that finger going. point that means for? A lot for? of big paragraphs. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go fast. Okay. Abba here was moving away from their original name of Bjorn, Benny, Agnetha, and Frida. It works. Uh, but yeah, it's not quite as catchy. Their last names would also happen to be Ulvis, Anderson, Falskog, and Lindstag. Oh, that's the name of my favorite death metal supergroup. Uh, you, you arrange those letters, they could have been called Oofle, which would work for them. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of like Oofle. <laughs> yeah. uh, next, uh, next, uh, what's your uh, your tribute band show? <laughs> oh. uh, I think the next one I'm doing uh, the Stein right, the right. Stein Men. <laughs> no, no, but with, somebody else could do Oofle. Uh, never mind. Uh, so all four had early careers in music with uh, various bands and acts before coming together. Specifically, the pairings of Bjorn and Agnetha and Benny and Frida, who respectively were married. They're all divorced now, and I think they hate each other. I'm not quite sure. I'd suggest that they were doing like a Fleetwood Mac kind of thing where they all banged each other and the music was terrible. But to be fair, I actually kind of love ABBA. My first bowling team was named after their song, Chikatita. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let's see. At this moment in time, while this song was coming out, they were competing in the Eurovision Song Contest, which I never, I can't quite understand. Uh, I know it's a contest, uh, but it seems like a sport. Apparently, ABBA had to make it first, had to make it first in Sweden's Meloda Festivalen uh, to even get invited. Then they had to win heats until finally taking home the prize. Can anybody explain the Eurovision contest to me? Yeah, it's like a soccer tournament. Every country sends their own entry. Okay, then then wait, hold on, hold on. Then there's like several rounds. Then why did Celine Dion, who ABBA's most famous winner, Celine Dion would be, I would say, the second, how was she able to represent Switzerland being French-Canadian? If I've learned anything from this podcast, it's that Celine Dion kind of looks like a horse, 
and we all know that Europe was crucial in the domestication of the horse as far back as 2500 BC. <laughs> I'm sure they just saw her as a singing horse and were captivated. Switzerland? Just like American audience were captivated with Mr. Ed in the 60s or whenever it was actually All on. right, well, that was a good way to explain the Eurovision contest to me. Uh, there's another, another notable Eurovision winner from 2006 is the Finnish metal band Lordi, who wear, they wear uh, these guar-like costumes, and they kind of sound like uh, Kiss with a death metal singer. Notable. Okay. Noted. Note, thank you. Irrelevant, but noted. All right, so wrap this up. This is honestly it's not that wacky for ABBA, I'd hmm. say, which is why it's a little low. Also, there's this sounds like reggae. They're doing a reggae thing to me, but I think there's maybe some high life in there, the African... West African genre. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of that. They're more. There. Well, uh, High Life is more into palm wine than palm trees. That joke. That joke will hit for like three people. For all the High Life fans out yeah. there. Um. Yeah. I say blah blah blah. blah. Uh, uh, just I'll just read the coconut line in case you missed it. It's, they say people laugh and point their fingers like I was a monkey at the zoo, but I will stay here among my coconuts. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. So he's got a collection. Ah, God damn it, Steve. (laughs) Two for two. I'm Casey Kasem. Now, on with the countdown. American Top 40. I want somebody who uses fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying. All right. This is a short one, so I'll try to be quick here. This is a fun song about fat shaming from Elvis's Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and it's in 1961. And by the way, this is not the sound of Hawaii, in case anybody wants. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is, he's doing a Barry, or Harry Belafonte Calypso thing. Uh, people often lump Hawaii in with the Caribbean. Yeah. And it's so fucking weird to me, it's really wacky. Uh, one might say <laughs> that Elvis's stupidity uh, unwittingly invented. Jawaiian, and by the way, <laughs> these will all be on the test later. Well, I think probably judging from when we were there, uh, people probably lump it in with the Caribbean because when you go there, you hear nothing but fucking reggae on that, the radio. Steve, all the time. you just described Jawaiian. You hear Jawaiian. I don't understand the difference between Jawaiian. Neither and just do they. Reggae. That's the problem. <laughs> no, it's. I think it's like this beach culture. When I was there for work, the dude I was living with kept playing Bob Marley because we were in Hawaii. You fucking idiot! Where is that dude from? Germany. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He seems, like, yeah. How does the German? He sees beach and he's like reggae, right? But yeah. that's but that's the how mentality. Does not know you can't sit in a palm tree. Well, that's how my fucking Jimmy Buffett has a career. There's two, that's two exactly. Jimmy Buffett oh, restaurants it's in Hawaii. Already over. You're gonna probably have to play this one a few times while da- Dave rants. Uh, there's a cheeseburger in Paradise in Lahaina and a Margaritaville in Waikiki, which took over Don Ho's space at the Beachcomber. That's a fucking travesty. Luckily, people realized what a horrible mistake they'd made, and they're now converting into a Maui brewing company, with which I have no beef. Uh, by the way, just so you know, there's a chi and pea in Waikiki also. That's what I call cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> uh, you know, I looked, I looked that up, trying to figure out what that was, and I came up with something called pea cheese. No, chi and pea. Um, 
Uh, by the way, I I went. I saw Don Ho right before he died. I remember you have the shirt. Uh, I do. And the photo. Yep. Uh, went with my with my girlfriend now my wife. So your ex girlfriend. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a very fun show. And uh, he was not really drawing the crowds that would have filled the beachcomber. So yeah. it's not Jimmy Buffett's fault. Uh, and it was. I think it's. If anything, it was Jawine's fault. I'm gonna be honest. It was fucking Jawine's fault because <laughs> well, they don't I'll want Hawaiian music anymore. Okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna move on. Well, let me let me. The Maui Brewing Company released a statement over again. saying they they didn't have any any real problems with Jimmy Buffett, but were very very concise, saying they were taking it in a totally different direction. And you can you can read the underlying message, which of course was fuck Jimmy Buffett. Oh, listen, Margaritavilles do not need to be in Hawaii. I mean, that's... that's They don't need to be anywhere. Okay, continue with the fun facts. Okay, I, I, fuck I, that guy. I'm, I'm going to skip over this. I was just going to talk about how this was... Uh, hey, hey, if you ever get a chance to go to Kauai, go uh, see the Coco Palms. It's a, it's a wonderful, wacky place to, to visit, and I think it's being rebuilt right now. That's where the the marriage scene of uh, uh, in Blue Hawaii... Look it up on your internet. It's an amazing place. I saw it once. You rebuild... To- Rebuild to be better, or is it going to lose its charm? Uh, pro- of course it's going to lose its charm. Fucking everything loses its charm now. Am I right? All right. I just one general note. I want. I, uh, I. I'm all for working more Elvis soundtrack songs into the podcast because so many of them are god awful. Make it a genre, Steve. Easy genre. Elvis soundtrack songs. Come up with a clever name. Ba 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 ba. It's beyond. Elvis Yacht soundtrack Rock. songs. I can do better than that. Casey Townsend. I signed up for a two-year tour in the army to get away from my family and that's my special report Number seven. this one's for you dave god damn it <laughs> what's a wacky coconut list without the guy who exploited it for his entire career this is marina rock legend wrong. jimmy buffett <laughs> wrong <laughs> with coconut telegraph wrong no it is from are you saying rum coconut telegraph from 1980s coconut telegraph an album that somehow managed to reach number 30 on the Billboard Hot 200. Because uh, Jimmy Buffett has a peel. <laughs> a banana peel. I like coconuts. Uh, so, so Jimmy Buffett, uh, the man who managed to turn combining vaguely Caribbean words with stuff he saw around the house into a living. <laughs> and what a living. This guy is so fucking rich, that's all you really need to know about him. I'm sure he's got... I mean, sure, he's got negligible talents, but the fact that he made dumb dad jokes in the songs and made like a billion fucking dollars, hey, my hat's off to you, sir. There's a lot of dumb dads out there. According to Forbes 2016, there's only two artists that are wealthier than him, Paul McCartney and Bono. I mean, imagine Dre's got to be up there now with his headphones, but 650 million is where they put him as the net worth. God bless him. Yeah, God bless him. Uh, yeah, and, and Coconut Telegraph is no exception to the dumb dad shit. It's a fancy way of saying local gossip, uh, specifically the kind contained, I guess, to an island. Uh, it's also the first Twitter since there's restriction on how many words, apparently, at the end. I don't know why he throws it in, but he says 25 words or less. Uh, Did Jimmy Buffett invent Twitter? What? I, I smell a lawsuit, is all yeah. I'm saying. Uh, he probably already is taking royalties. That's why he's worth $650 million. Uh, Not as gross ass. <laughs> I don't think even Twitter it. is worth six hundred and fifty million at this point. Yeah. Um, 
But and like Twitter, in the Coconut Telegraph, you can uh, you can basically pick and choose what you want to hear and uh, and what you want to believe. Speaking of, Wait, did he just say it's Hump Day? Yeah, of on course. the island. Mm-hmm. He's going date. Okay, I'm gonna break down this song, guys, because oh, I listen to these songs a lot, so I know what's going on. In there. <laughs> just keep fl- talking, so I don't have to listen okay. to it. Yeah, that explains your flip flops. So this is this what's going on in this song is this this is a song that takes place on like Sunday. It starts on Sunday or Monday after everybody goes crazy on the island and does something really really dumb and then all the all the local folks get together and go did you see that dumbass who did something dumb while they were drunk and then people start to forget and so hump day people are forgetting the dumb shit they do and by the time they get to Friday they just repeat it again and it becomes Wow. So yeah. it's like a time loop, yes. like on Twin Peaks. Exactly. <laughs> Circle of life, man. This is just like Twin Peaks. Jimmy Buffett is a lot like Twin Peaks. <laughs> hey, you uh, feel really they, shitty after listening to an entire album. Yeah. So I, I just uh, we heard something a little wrong on the Co- Coconut Telegraph. I think by Dave. Um, he, I think you said he endorsed Trump. He, in fact, did not endorse Trump. I didn't say that. It, well, okay. I think we all assumed. Yeah. <laughs> that he endorsed Anyone that shitty would have to, but no, he actually supported Obama. <laughs> yeah, and but Hillary. they didn't run together uh, against each other. Uh, it but was, he keeps uh, it quiet at his shows. It was erroneously reported that Jimmy Buffett endorsed Trump for president on like the Parrothead site on on April Fool's Day. They put up an article mm-hmm. on that, and then all the like his legitimate fans, yeah, all the spread uh, it around retired. Retired realtors and off-duty law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> and they spread it around as truth, and and it, that became the rumor that he did. But he did not. He actually fundraised for Hillary Clinton. Hey, turn that off, Jenkins. We're on duty. <laughs> turn off that margaritaville. Got to roll. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's not all good. He's also uh, it, there is some bad to Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> he's also a huge Cubs fan, oh, and even went, at least he got that right. And he even went with them to the White House uh, when they met Obama. He fucking tagged along. <laughs> yeah, he helped. Uh, he helped fill in for uh, Steve Goodman when Steve Goodman died in '84. <laughs> he, he, he's saying it was either the national anthem or the Go Cubs Go theme song. As if Steve Goodman's death couldn't get any more depressing. Yeah. But to get back to the point on this, this song is a fucking wacky coconut. And it's dumb as hell. It also happens to be the name of his merch catalog. This, this song is fucking garbage. And I don't mean fucking as a modifier, I mean it as a verb because this song literally has sex with garbage. You know, okay, sorry. three for three. You know, I just wanted, to, I was just going to say, uh, this was going to be the song I was going to continuously bone throw for the 50 states for every uh-huh. every state that Jimmy Buffett had set foot in. Uh-huh. I was, it was going to be Coconut Telegraph. That's why when I. Thought about the like, I knew I had to put this song on there because I was gonna. That, this was gonna, that was your song, Dave. I was yeah. waiting for a year to let you listen to yeah, that song. Yeah, you got some, you got some new fury out of me too. Casey's coast to coast. Well, we've got to believe that Bob Seger is a very happy man these days. He was a very warm and understanding person, and I'm glad we had that week together, completely <laughs> naked. Number six. <laughs> I just want to say that this song was in the movie Club Paradise, yeah. which is a wacky coconut movie, <laughs> and that version was even more Calypso than this one. Um, okay. This is Ape Man by the Kinks from 1970's Lola vs. the Power Man and the Money Go Round Part 1. 
Beatles. I love this song. It reached number five in the UK and 45 here in the US. I, wait, I, want, I, want, I want to backtrack. Uh, could you describe the necessary ingredients of a wacky coconut movie? Because we don't we don't often have musical genres that can be translated into film genres as well. I, I'll do I'll do that later. I, but I, Dave yeah, Dave kinda, wants to have his version of what a wacky coconut. Dave, yeah. take a whack at a yeah. wacky coconut movie. It's college kids trying to get laid in a tropical location with lots of topless babes. The topless thing is important is coconuts are also slang for titties. Nerds in paradise. Blame it on Rio or Screwballs 3 when they all got jobs at a wacky resort. Remember when they accidentally baked the desserts with cocaine instead of flour and all the snooty people got high? <laughs> Total wacky coconut movie. Yeah, and uh, that description is not Club Paradise at all. None, none of that stuff really happens. <laughs> well, it's at least a little more subtle. Yeah, yeah, I was ex- I was defining it for Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I get it. I got it. No, but that's not it at all. Oh, how about Last Resort starring Rob Morrow and Johnny Depp? I, I no, let's just we'll talk about it in the, during the next song, okay? Right. Uh, but uh, Steve, so so hold on that, okay? But Dave's Dave's version is good too. It's pretty wacky. There's lots yeah. of coconuts. Those are yeah, more lots of lots of coconuts. Those are more. I mean, those I are more, like I like my yeah. titties to be wacky, hachi machi. But those are more spring break movies. Titties. Um, <laughs> okay. So the part of the reason for the lack of airplay of this song, because a long time ago I mentioned how this was number five and number 45 in the U.S. Uh, The reason why it was so low in the U.S. uh, is because the line, a fogging up my eyes, sounded a lot like a fucking up my eyes. So like uh, changing Coca-Cola to Cherry Cola, uh, Ray Davies had to fly back and record a better enunciated version, which ultimately delayed the single. Um, Those so, guys couldn't catch a break. No, so it's, there's no wonder that Davies is so disaffected with the modern world and ready to run to the jungle, which is what the song's about. Uh, and by the way, it, that doesn't mean that, that all the Caribbean, since apes aren't native, uh, but this fact often gets blurred in these songs, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Hence the... When you're co-opting a culture you know nothing about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but they kept the Calypso pastiche on this. Um... Okay, ape is not really a thing. I did some ape research on this. Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> no one knows where the word came from. It's really just a catch-all slang for non-human larger primates. Oh. Hmm. Uh, monkey man or humanzy would have been a more accurate <laughs> description. Uh, but ape man is far wackier, yeah. if I do say. Um, I don't know. Humanzy sounds pretty wacky <laughs> to me. That's a uh, fun fact. Speaking of humanzy, did you know that in the 20s, state-sponsored Russian doctor... Uh, Ilya uh, Ivanov really, really, really tried hard to make an ape man or a humanzy, but ultimately <laughs> failed. Uh, later, the spun crackpot legends of Stalin wanting an ape man army of his own, which is not true. It's just, it was just another case of eugenics run amok. Wait, how did he try movie. to make an ape man? Do I have to really go into it? You cut off a monkey's head and put it on a human body, <laughs> yeah. dumbass. You sew it together and you hope that <laughs> no, he was. It, it had a lot to do with artificial insemination. Yeah, both Art- artificial. Uh huh. Both <laughs> ways. Yeah, get a good look at his his applicator was dick-shaped. Yeah, uh, there was... His fucking monkeys, Hunter. (laughs) That's how he did it. There was a lot of, uh... And that's how AIDS was invented. No. 
<laughs> during the, during that period of time, there was a lot of uh, it, that was a time where I think eugenics, the idea of eugenics, came out, and a lot of like bad governments took that idea and ran. Right, like America's, uh, with like a lot of fucking countries, and it and it led to a lot of really bad shit. And that was uh, one of the things that led to in Russia was trying to make a humanity. Anyways, <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Ah, okay. Uh, where are we going with this? Uh, Davies, yeah. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see uh, another thing. He mentions uh, in this song, in, in addition to coconuts, he mentions sitting in the trees eating bananas all day. And I think we 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 we, we grazed this topic earlier, but I'd like to make this the explicit point. I believe that there exists a sister, or actually probably brother, genre to wacky coconuts that I'd like to call crazy bananas. Uh, no. <laughs> if you would have read down, I would already define that. Mm-hmm. Um, we will talk about that later. Uh, yes, but there is bananas, but I will... Yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> but I will I will hold that they are still wacky coconuts, mm-hmm. it, but I definitely could do a... A wacky coconuts banana edition. Yeah, I got some. I got some. Songs I definitely for that could, one. but it's still the same genre of wacky coconuts. Anything else I think on it's this distinct. song? <laughs> it's still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't talked about what a jam this song is in a while. Mark Rivers, what a jam. Hey, we stop clapping to it. What the hell? Do it for Walter. This is for what dedicated to Walter Becker. He loved hand claps. Um, Becker and Fagan got a call from Hollywood. It was Gene Balboa, probably. And Gene said he needed a song for a movie called FM. The Dan asked if it needed any specific words, and then probably Gene said, No, just make sure it's about FM radio. So, give me some funked up music. It treats me right. That's exactly what I think of when I think of FM radio. Sums it up nice. Yeah. Um, here comes that lyric. I love this lyric, though. It's not it. That's not it. That's oh. not the first line. I'm totally wrong. Anyway, so the song took a day or two to write. Um, I'd like to think it took years to write because this is pretty much the only thing they released in the four years between Asia and Gaucho, uh, where they must have spent those years on the Caucho. <laughs> okay, so this song went on uh, to be way more popular than the movie, uh, which was a box office dud, and no one talks about it today. The song won a Grammy or two and made Steely Dan one of the most popular bands in the world. Just kidding, bros. It was 78. They were already one of the most popular bands in the world. Uh, The soundtrack of FM had a very impressive lineup of uh, famous acts of the day, except it was just a compilation of previously released hits. Uh, This song was the only original, from what I could tell, from a quick glance at the song list. Uh, so let's talk about the movie FM. Uh, it, it sucks. Oof. <laughs> it stars a uh, Kenny Loggins-looking yeah. motherfucker named Michael Brandon. Michael Brandon! Yeah. He's best known today as the voice of Skeleton Gladiator in 2001 Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly a lightweight. Uh, so here's Wikipedia's first sentence on the plot. Q-Sky, radio station manager-slash-program director Jeff Dugan builds a large fan base by assembling a group of charismatic DJ personalities playing popular rock and roll. Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much straightforward, a movie where radio stations happen. <laughs> uh, 
It just it sounds it's boring and dumb. I rented it during the time we were making the web show like 12 years ago, and I couldn't even get through it. <laughs> um, it's got a good supporting cast though: Eileen Brennan, uh, Cleavon Little, Martin Mull on his in his silver screen debut, mm-hmm. uh, and Webster's dad, George Papadopoulos. Uh, man, Webster's mom was a fox. Hachi, uh, she, she had no static at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Q, I got a question. Q mm-hmm. Sky. Is Q a thing when they want to make a fake radio station? Because it's like the five 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 of radio. Yeah, is that is that what Q is? Oh, maybe it is because it's really hard to get call letters. I mean, sometimes... WKRP obviously bucked that trend. Yeah. I don't know how they got by it, but I feel like I've heard other Q radio stations, and that's yeah. Not a and real when thing. did when did FM come out? Seventy eight. Uh, Seventy eight. Yeah. Seventy eight. All right. I wonder so, if because it's it's sort of like the the low stakes WKRP. Mm-hmm. I wonder if WKRP got through because KRP spells crap and uh, no, no radio station watch, wanted to... If you watch uh, Pig vs. Fish, which I think was at the end of season one, KRP stands for carp, and that's when Herb dresses up like a fish, the WKRP carp, okay, and goes up against the WPIG, of course. Pig. You know, I think I think there's a there's not many call letters still available because even like a little neighborhood station needs to take call letters and yeah. They're I'm, gonna, I'm they're just gonna going to with the theory letters. that that Q is the radio yeah, version of five five five. five. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I was just saying that they could get that fictional station because a real one wouldn't want to no. have their station be named W Crap. This album was pretty good. It was a gatefold. Mm-hmm. If I recall, yeah, just like a, good, a lot like, of good music. I think there might have been Jimmy Buffett on there, which kind there of was. there was tanks any. It's they a, had some Marina Rock. It's kind of like a now that's yeah, what I and call Jimmy Buffett. It's like a now that's what I call music of 1978. Yeah, you know? yeah, like like those uh, like Mellow Gold, like, like the album that's just like a golden apple with a bite taken out of it. Yeah, it's the cover, and then yeah. just a list of popular yeah, albums. Yeah, it was uh, popular it, it, songs. It's got the Eagles. It's got Linda Ronstadt. It's got the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got another Steely Dan song, like Do It Again or something mm-hmm. like that. So. Yeah, it's called FM, and they were playing AM Gold. It was a joke, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> it was a huge joke. Oh. Speaking of FM, hey Casey Kasem, what's going on? This is Casey on American Top 40 in Hollywood. Now on with the countdown. Now listen to this. <laughs> That's the way I like it. Number five. <laughs> okay, there's a long intro on here, but I'll just let you know. This is 10CC with the song Hotel from 1974's Sheet Music. 10CC, like the Kinks, also had a sharp wit and a seeming dislike of the modern world, or at least a sense of humor about it. Uh, they also have a penchant for the Caribbean and other world music. A penchant. They are definitely a wacky coconut band, although far artier than your average Jimmy Buffett-inspired schlub. Uh, although this is not in Club Paradise, it could be plot rock for Club Paradise, as it pretty much describes the tone and basic story of the movies uh, 12 years before. So I will now describe to you what Club Paradise is, because you just, asked the question. Before you get into it, when this kicks in, yeah, I want you to listen to this and tell me this isn't an Adam Sandler uh, song. Man, it takes a long time to kick in. No, no, no. That, that, oh. that He was talking about the part that was playing. The, the part oh. that was just coming up. That you just skipped. Oh, sorry. Just... You We'll get through it. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's like one of his wacky voices. Uh, yeah. And he does, when he puts his hands up and does that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
So, okay, Club Paradise. Steve, Club Paradise is about a guy who buys a hotel, kind of. Uh, he's a firefighter in Chicago, and he gets blowed up, and he says, fuck this, I'm moving to the Caribbean and escaping the modern world. And then he buys a, he meets Jimmy Cliff, and they buy a hotel, and they have wacky adventures. All right. That's a wacky ho- coconut movie. <laughs> Dave's Dave's uh, definition sounds wackier. Yeah, but the, you gotta escape. They're not. You're not. Well, you're kind of escaping. I guess. Okay. So, what about the movie Running Scared? The end is, is the only wacky coconut scene. It's a wacky coconut scene. Well, don't they go down to the islands and then remember. they come back? And also, there's another yacht rock song related movie I couldn't really get through. Trading places at the end. They're uh, out on the beach, like looking good, Winthrop. Feeling good, Lewis, or whatever the line is. Wacky coconuts. No, no. You're escaping the modern world to g- to go to paradise. Yeah. And then it, you find out it's not paradise, and it's just filled with extreme wackiness. Fifty first dates. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, there you go. They Nerd. look like they're in Hawaii on the poster. Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. We mentioned definitely, that. definitely wacky coconuts as Hunter defines it. That's Florida. So? But it's still tropical. Okay. okay they, right. they end up on an island and find a tank. Man, that's wacky. <laughs> All right. With with a metal detector that they make, it's true. Out of coconuts. That's Dave. true. Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry, Dave. Oh, and and the greatest. You're pushing a little bit too many titties on there, and not enough like coconuts. We got to get out of this cold weather and into the into the into warm the weather. titties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's not forget the greatest wacky coconut movie of them all that has never been produced is David Lee Roth's Crazy from the Heat. Yeah, yeah. I did want to mention that. Yes, yeah. wacky coconuts. I was going to mention this later. But uh, Wacky Coconut Movie did break up Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. Just so we know. Uh Eventually. And I have a theory about why. Eventually, Hunter and I are going to put that on live. Fun facts. Okay. Uh, I was always fascinated by uh, 10CC because they, how they had, uh, their music had a distinct duality due to their creative pairings, like how Cheap Trick is four, a four-man band of two super hunks and two super nerds. <laughs> like, there's no in-between. Kind of like this podcast. Yeah. You folks at home can sort that out. Huh. Uh, But Hunter's on the hunk team every time. Uh, 10CC was a four-man band consisting of two great pop writers and Eric Stewart and Graham Goldman and two artsy-farsy experimental types in uh, Kevin Godley and Lol Cream. One of the best names in rock. Uh, I think you can guess which pair wrote this one. Can you guess? With that long... Prague opening and stuff. Can you guess which ones? The I'm asking you the experimental types. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, so I'd say this is basically an inaccessible version of arguably their biggest hit, Dreadlock Holiday, which was written a long, long after Godly and Cream left the band to do their own artsy fartsy thing. Oh this, shit! That's this, Godly and Cream from that video with the cry. Yeah, yeah, cry. Holy shit! Yeah, that's that the artsy fart- No, no, that's Godly oh. and Cream. Okay. But they were in 10cc? That's, that's yes. half of 10cc. It's 5cc. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. They were... <laughs> wow, that's a fun fact I never knew. Yeah, those were the artsy guys. That's why the video is so artsy. Who knew that I'd learned something that gave me chills on wacky coconuts? Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna learn you something, okay. something more on this. 
Uh, fun fact, the name 10CC comes from a dream their producer Jonathan King had about a wildly successful band of that name, so he gave them the name. Uh, but among... <laughs> Here you go, fellas. Yeah. It's all yours. <laughs> exactly. But among the other uh, crackpot stories was that the idea... Uh, that was the idea that the name came from 9cc being the average semen produced during ejaculation, thus 10cc being one better. <laughs> <laughs> and they were one better than the average man in semen. But that isn't true, <laughs> as the average man has three to four cc's. Yeah, 10cc seems like a lot. Well, that's my load after a week of holding off. Yeah. You've been... Well, now we're up to our long-distance dedication. Dear Casey, I'd like to request a dedication to two very special people in my life, Napoleon and Hitler. Number four. <laughs> uh, Dave, what was Peter North's uh, nickname? Oh, shit. Um, you uh, always say this as a fun fact. Was he like, he wasn't the artist or the painter or something? The Pollock? <laughs> no, <that's... laughs> I don't know. Uh, think about it. No, I, I, I always say that. I don't know. I never. God, we just established with. I have a theory about pornographic actor um, Peter North. I, he's known for having a large penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he actually has a very small penis, and he's just a very, very, very small guy. Maybe an yeah. average penis. See, I'm more of a Rocco Sofredi guy. <laughs> okay, what's his nickname? <laughs> the Italian Stallion. Okay, there you go. You're the. We established in the last. Oh, hey, I've uh, I've uh, I've looked up Peter North's nicknames. They include the beer can, the decorator. That's oh, what it is. That's it was it. the decorator. You told me that fun Did fact I? one day, Dave. Old Faithful. And the Sperminator. All right. Uh, because it's a male pornographic actor who ejaculates. So, mm-hmm. great. Great. <laughs> yeah. But we established, wasn't it the last episode that don't challenge Dave on his knowledge of pornography? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It was just remarkable that I got a fact right. No. <laughs> no. Your porn facts are always right. Your porn facts are always right. Your music facts are 80% wrong. Anyways. Oh, hey. I read a lot. We'll play this song. <laughs> we'll play this song a lot uh, over again because I really like it. it, it this con- is a goddamn jam. Confession, when I make a playlist, I listen to it a lot, like an obsessive amount, so I can close my eyes and hear it when I'm doing the research and writing dumb observations I have. Um, most of the songs on the, this list got on my nerves. Uh, wacky Coconuts are supposed to be a fun escape, and it kind of made, it became my prison. Okay, okay. Kind of a, a hell in paradise. Yeah, huh? but, uh, uh, but not this one. This is my most favorite. This is Caribbean Moon by Kevin Ayers, a uh, musician I basically learned existed from, this, from yeah. this show. This is the genre done right. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Ayers is English, but spent his uh, childhood in what is now Malaysia, and it was said that uh, his this tropical upbringing led to a relaxed lifestyle that, according to an unleaked source on Wikipedia, made him escape to a sunny spot with good wine and food every time he was on the uh, cusp of fame. Did you see the username of the person who edited it? Because it might be K. Ayers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
he died a while ago. Oh, but okay. um, it, it linked to like I think it linked to like an article in 1974. Okay. So I think somebody read it, typed it in, but couldn't put it on the web. I don't know. Uh, Ayers was an original member of Soft Machine and had a prolific solo career through the 70s and 80s. Soft Machine and Ayers were a part of the psychedelic avant-garde Canterbury scene of the late 60s, and this led to him working with other like-minded experimental art farters like Brian Eno, Mike Oldfield, uh, Sid Barrett, and John Cale. Yeah, I, uh, I, I first heard Kevin Ayers on... Uh, it was a box set called Harvest Festival. It was five CDs of... Uh, Stuff on the Harvest label, which had a lot of unusually interesting prog artists on it. I think it. that they were specifically Canterbury scene. It was. It wasn't all Canterbury. It had. It had a, a good cross section of those bands, but it also had a lot of other stuff on it as well. Uh, but that that whole box set is pretty amazing because it makes prog rock sound fun and crazy, <laughs> which is not easy to pull off. So if that was somebody's introduction to prog, prog rock, they would like, be very oh, holy disappointed. Holy shit, how is this not more popular? Yeah. Prog is great! Like one of those grass hats that... With a... <laughs> also, I just want to say how great it is that you found two prog rock songs about coconuts well, and then put them in the countdown back-to-back. Well, I It's have a to... very progressive fruit. I... <laughs> I have to say that there is a part of a wacky coconuts that is you coming out of your uh, out of your elements, and prog rock is pretty far out of the element of a wacky coconut and uh, Caribbean music and stuff. Yeah, and the the video kind of forces people out of their element. Oh, oh yeah. So this particular wacky coconut was released as a seven inch in 1973, with the B side being "Take Me to Tahiti." Uh, it was released shortly before his fourth solo album called Banana uh, Banana More with uh, from 1973 so here we go side note bananas are part and parcel with coconuts when it comes to eliciting food bo- foodborne tropical wackiness <laughs> I could definitely do a wacky coconut banana edition in the future and you can now uh, find uh, Caribbean Moon on the 2003 reissue of ba- Banana More uh, and then Steve says something, but then I say, also of note is the sexy music video made with the release of this song. Lots of bananas and coconuts swinging wackily on (laughs) that day. Also, someone or waist level coconuts and bananas. Do you want to talk about the video right now? Oh, so much. Okay. Talk about it, Dave. Uh, I looked it up on YouTube, and I I cannot recommend enough checking this out. It hits all the tropes of being, like, tropical. Okay, wait. (laughs) So, so when I... I I was the first one of us to watch this music video, because I was doing my research on this. And there, there, I'm pretty sure there's only one link to this music video on YouTube. And that's pretty much going to be the only place you find it. And the description of the video said, gayest... Gayest thing ever. (laughs) Yeah, gayest video ever. And I and I was like, and it starts with him just like playing. Yeah, playing. yeah it starts very wacky coconut tropical. It's like a little fake canoe with a background. He's dressed He's as a, a sailor. Yeah, got and, a ukulele. And I thought to myself, all right, what shell what's, necklace? What's your problem calling this gay? Like that's huh? how how ridiculous that. Oh no! But then it gets gay. <laughs> the dancers show up, and I included photos in all of your notes. <laughs> At, yeah, it's wonderful. They look very happy. It's, it's wonderful. It's three. Kevin, Kevin Ayers kind of looks like uh, Steve Huey's dad. Yeah. Like a young version of Steve Huey's <laughs> yeah, dad. Yeah, like a young uh, yeah. shoulder length hair version like of my dad. That uh, that time your dad uh, was wasted on heroin. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at the dancers, they're all very like slight twink type dudes. <laughs> 
and they're wearing nothing but like a like a grape leaf thong. But they all have bananas attached to them. So when they dance around, the bananas are are flopping at dong level. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the way they're dancing can only be described as prancing and th- and thrusting and flitting. Yeah, it's a great music video. I recommend it's inc- it. It's incredible. Uh, both me and my wife watched it, and we were both in a huff for the description, and then went, then went oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I see it. No, that's... Gay people would also agree that this is a pretty gay video. Yeah, in fact, in the, the comments, the user comments, it turned into an argument of what was the gayest music video, and nobody really came up with anything better. Yeah. It's this. No, it's this. Yeah. Four no. minutes in. No, it's this. <laughs> I'm Casey Kasem. Last year at this time, my marriage was falling apart. I've been very lonely and very homesick. And there's your answer, Jeff. Thanks for your letter. <laughs> uh, also, I want to mention, I, I forgot to mention that the apparently Kevin Ayers, uh, his inspiration for that last song was the name of Shikoko uh, Moko. I don't know who that was or what it was, but that was the inspiration. He was a wrestler. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, so, but this is... Let's see. We've got, got to get past these pictures. Uh, <laughs> you hard, can't they're, get they're past hard. those yeah. pictures, Okay, Hunter. remember how I mentioned Jawine and how Elvis stumbled upon it? Uh, or stumbled into it, that is. Well, this guy actually did it on purpose and invented the genre. This is Brother Nolan with the song Coconut Girl from, I believe, 1990, released as the lead song on his Greatest Hits compilation. It was also apparently on the Pineapple Express soundtrack, I guess? Not really a wacky coconut movie. I've never seen it. I don't know. No, it's not. It's a weed movie, right? Yeah, it's a weed movie that takes place in Los Angeles. Is there a weed strain called Wacky Coconut yet? Oh, there should be. No. Start hybriding. Yeah, and and go ahead and send us some. In the mail. <laughs> uh, it's legal send, now. Send it to uh send it to <laughs> send it to the care of the Doughboys. Do- do Okay. Along with that box of box of shit? Yeah. Didn't we ask that for that too? Was that that was a contest I wanted to run. Who can shit the most this month? Send it to uh Feral Audio, Care of the Doughboys. Ah, okay. Uh, so Brother Nolan's uh, full name is, okay, Nolan Kaliolikolani, I did this so I could try to do it, Kaliolikolani, conjugation. Is he into verbs? Very much so. Ah, God, I practiced that and I thought I had it. Uh, the no, bio- nailed it. <laughs> it's the- too bad that you're the only your ex girlfriend's Hawaiian. Uh, the, yeah, my wife. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the bio on his website readily calls him the father of Hawaiian music. As a reminder, uh, Hawaiian is the fusion of traditional Hawaiian and reggae, uh, but it, it's really just milk toast donor reggae. Um, and according to his site, Coconut Girl birthed the genre. Uh, regardless, Brother Nolan is an accomplished slack guitar player and has been given a Lifetime Achievement Award in music by the state of Hawaii. Uh, currently, appears to be a, survival- a survivalist and does philanthrop- philanthropic work uh, preserving customs and flora and fa- fauna on the island of Molokai. Yeah, it's the Leper Island. It's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. yeah. That was just kind of a fact that 
deserve that. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, there wasn't. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. No. So Are there still leper colonies on Molokai? I don't think so. No. Hmm. No. It, I don't. They have leprosy under control. I don't know. You don't mm-hmm. hear anything about it. It's not scary anymore. The last thing I heard about leprosy was about a guy, uh, a guy with leprosy that went to a prostitute and told her to keep the tip. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ready for this? How is this guy not a Jimmy Buffett fan? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's because he's jealous that he didn't think of it first. He, he's smuttier than Jimmy Buffett is the thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. And I, I, I love my country, and uh, <laughs> I've never raped anyone. <laughs> okay. All right. Why don't you play that uh, thing again? There you go. Good, Good job, Dave. Uh, so, Coconut Girl <laughs> seems to be a, be about a pretty lady who leaves Hawaii for the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Uh, extremely similar to Steve's story. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Uh, the wackiest part of the song... <laughs> you had to write that in. <laughs> <laughs> the wackiest part of the song is when he does the lady voice of, Hi, hello! But I'd also like to point out the part of the song that may get overlooked, which I believe is a way of describing an erection. It's, a, it's very creative. Uh, he says, Lately I've been feeling like I don't have any leg room. Oh. Yeah, and that, this is after saying her pinup poster was in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. He's talking about a boner, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. We're, I thought I'd get some pushback on that, and I guess not, so no, we can move no, on. No, we are in agreement. All yeah, right, good. 100%. All right. Yeah. All right. Reminds me of a script I read a while back called Bikini Library. Opening scene about a guy gets a boner. And if that took place in a tropical location, it would totally be a wacky coconut movie. Sure would. I'm Casey Kasem, and we're counting down to the current hit by a husband and wife team, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Number two. <laughs> Man, I'm glad these uh, bumpers are funny. <sighs> okay, wacky coconuts. Hey, a song about coconuts. Ah, from, okay, so from Coconut Girl to a Coconut wo- Woman from Harry Belafonte. Oh, she's all grown up. Yep. Uh, I want to be real here for a second. Harry Belafonte far transcends wacky coconuts, but he's the best at it. He's like Steely Dan and Yacht Rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he, his, his good time Calypso songs, like the Banana Boat songs, are so fun and uh, uplifting. But yeah, and a little wacky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, for him, what lies under the surface is a work song. Um, his are often about hard times done in an extremely uplifting manner that Calypso and other island genres were made to do because working life sucks, especially in the area of the world where uh, which was colonized and exploited throughout history. So with that said, I felt number two would give him just enough recognition without making him the face of this dumb genre. <laughs> I, this song, this song sounds like it was brought to you by the by the Caribbean Coconut Council because it contains nutritional information and recipe ideas. Very informative uh, song about coconuts. It also shits on gypsies for being a bunch of rum pots, <laughs> which I think is still okay. I think so, and not until they get their own country, we can say whatever the fuck we want about gypsies. Yeah. Stop wandering around, you pieces of shit. You're yeah. like Australians. All right. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Always on walkabouts. Yeah, the aborigines? Yeah, Do you know can... that? Are you just are you slamming the aborigines? No, I'm saying by every single Australian. Do you know that Sydney has a new population every three days because people keep moving and moving, like leaving. <laughs> they just keep moving around the country. They're the weirdest people ever. Bunch of nomads. Yeah. Bunch of gypsies. Yep. Oh, yes. Exactly. Fun fact. <laughs> that is fun fact. All right. This is long. So, Harry Belafonte said a long career, so he's got a lot of facts. But uh, I'll try to stick to the, the main ones. Uh, he was born in Harlem, New York. Uh, I thought he was from the Caribbean, um, but he but no, he's from Harlem, New York. Uh, he spent time in Jamaica with, uh, with his grandmother from the ages of seven to fifteen. He returned to New York to finish high school and after joined the Navy to serve in WW two. Uh, he became an actor. I got a burp. Uh, he became an af- actor after uh, <clears throat> returning, studying alongside luminaries such as Sidney Poitier, Marlon Brando, and B. Arthur. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he received. He's t- good. <laughs> he received a Tony for his work in uh, John Murray Anderson's Almanac. <clears throat> I think this was in 1953 or 54. Uh, to pay for acting lessons, he worked as a lounge singer, and in his first appearance, he was backed by the Charlie Parker Band, which included Parker, Max Roach, and Miles Davis. Garbage band. <laughs> what? Too oldie that time. Was, that was his, Just kidding. That was his first night. I'm uh, into those cool jazz guys. He, he started as a pop singer, but gravitated, gravitated to... Get this, folks. Folk. He was a folk singer, hmm. which he learned through the America traditional folk song archive from the Library of Congress. He, in fact, his first album was called Mark Twain and Other Folk Favorites. Hmm. Yeah. So that's why I think he's a little eligible to be a wacky coconut guy because mm-hmm. he was originally a folk singer from New York. Uh-huh. And he found a home on his second album, Belafonte, where he scored the biggest hit, Matilda, which is a saddish Calypso song, uh, but it's Calypso, so that's barely noticeable, uh, about getting your money stolen. Probably by gypsies. <laughs> yeah, or Australians. Ugh. Hey, you had to write that in, huh? Yeah. Uh, that, that, el- that album topped the chart for, charts for six weeks only to be knocked out by Elvis Presley's debut album. Uh, Harry learned from the hit and named his next album Calypso, which included Deo. Um, and he would go back to more traditional American stuff and then back to Calypso with the album, uh, with this album, uh, oh, excuse me, with the with the album Coconut Woman comes off of 1957's Belafonte's Sing, Sings of the Caribbean. Hmm. Uh, I haven't even gotten to the 60s yet, but believe me, he has an <laughs> illustrious career in uh, music, movies, and television. He was also extremely active in politics, including the civil rights movement and many humanitarian efforts like We Are the World. He was a personal friend of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he helped organize the March in Washington. He was blacklisted during the McCarthy era. Because he really was a Marxist. Yeah. Uh, really too much to list, and he's still active at age 90. Uh, he does not need to be the face of Wacky Coconuts, but let's be honest, he does have some pretty good, pretty fun ones in there. Yeah, he's a great quack. Yeah, he got it. He got it. Yeah, he's I'm speechless. Casey Case. On our way to number one. Experts tell us we have everything we need to feed everyone in the world. To make a long story short, two bottles of fine French brandy and plenty of shrimp and lobster. Number one. Great fit. R.I.P. Casey Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here's the face of Wacky Coconuts. Totally deserves it. Uh, Harry Nilsson with the genre-defining song Coconut from the 1971 classic Nilsson Schmilson. 
The album reached number three and Coconut reached number eight on the charts, respectively. Uh, seriously, this is an absolute powerhouse of an album, and every time I listen to it, I think to myself, this is the guy who did Everybody's Talking? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, that was a cover. Uh, Hunter, I would have been shocked if this wasn't your number one. It's it's perfect. Well, it was either this or All I Want from Christmas is You. Yeah, well, had it had been JD's <laughs> list, I would have been shocked had it not been Mariah Carey. Yeah, that's a wacky coconut, you know? She's a wacky coconut. Yeah. I'm a Mariah Carey. I'm a wacky coconut. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what... Ni- I love Nielsen Schmilson, too, and I don't know what Nielsen's doing on that on that cover, but man... He's living I'm, life. He's I, living think life. He, I think he's, he's being a depressed alcoholic. He's in a fu- that's what I always saw. He's in a fuzzy bathrobe. He's got a wry smile on his face holding a cup of coffee. I want that to be my life. Yeah, that's an Irish coffee. <laughs> and it's 5 p.m. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, like how I always figured Harry Belafonte was from the Caribbean, uh, maybe the Bahamas, who knows, or Thin Lizzy was from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I always assumed Harry Nilsson was from England. I don't know why. Uh, I think it was the talent and the lack of sun. Uh, either and John Lennon loved him. Yeah, yeah. he just, he, yeah, you think that because he basically just used to get drunk with John Lennon all the time yeah. in the 70s. Which I knew, but uh, either way, like Belafonte, he too is from New York, though Harry moved to L.A. at a young age and not Jamaica. Uh, he studied music with, I guess, random family members as he moved around a lot uh, and ended up in computers at a, at, a, at a bank in the early 60s. I have no idea what that would entail. What is What is getting into computers in, like, 1961 mean? I mean, she were carrying those big boxes punch cards? full of punch cards. He was dusting it every day. Uh, and the computer would be the size of a room. Or he was like like Bobby Kimball to a keyboard. He was into computers. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, he kept with music, I guess, and he ended up as a songwriter, uh, penning songs for uh, Little Richard, Phil Spector, and the Monkees. Yeah, he ended up recording music that ended up in the hands of the Beatles, and they started referring to Nilsson as their favorite band. Uh, seriously, I think that was the it was the one thing that Lennon and McCartney agreed agreed on at the time was that he was their favorite band. Uh, he did the Point soundtrack for the animated film. He then made this album, and like I said, he killed it. And uh, and then after that, he just kind of did his own thing. He just said, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, because I'm a genius. Uh, and he kind of succumbed to that, I guess, uh, including doing the soundtrack to Popeye. I, I, had, I include that to succumbing to your genius. <laughs> I, I totally had forgotten about him doing that soundtrack, and he fucking crushed it. Yeah. P.T. Anderson used one of the songs on Punch Drunk Love. He also did the soundtrack for the little remembered 1982 Christmas special Ziggy's Gift, and you are Ziggy from the cartoon strip, from the comic yep. strip. Oh, oh man, right. that guy's are, are, are we doing? Things. Wait, are we having a Harry Nilsson uh, uh, competition right now? Because I'm gonna win. Okay? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't even Nobody's, write this down. No, we're having competing. a competition. You guys, I'm gonna win right now. We won you two. Okay, here we go. The hunter win. Let's let's lift him up on near the hoop. Here's here we the go. Ball hunter. Here we go. Slam it down. He also did the theme song. To the Saturday morning cartoon, Camp Candy, sung by J- John, uh, John Candy. Candy. <laughs> God, King Midas in the flesh. Yeah. When did he die? I think he died right after he wrote the theme song to Camp he died Candy. In the, he died in the 80s? Like 89 or oh, something. Okay. I, thought, or like, I, oh, I thought he I, I didn't think he made it out of the 70s. Good for him. No, mm-hmm. he may have even made it into like early 90s, like 1991. Okay. Um, Got hit by a bus. I don't know this because I'm not Steve and I don't always include their deaths. 
because mm. it's a bit right. of a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he died January 15th, 1994. Oh, deep oh. into the 90s. Deep into the 90s. Yeah, he Thanks outlived, for bumming us out, Steve. He outlived Mike Brady. He lived long enough to vote for Perot. <laughs> if he wanted to. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there, there was a question I was going to... Oh, oh, you know what? Okay, so we were all alive for that, but we don't really remember Harry Nilsson being alive. Right. Um, you guys are all older than me. You were... 1978 you were born? 77. 77? You guys were alive... 75. For like two we were years alive of, in 75. So you guys were alive for two years of Elvis being alive. Yeah. Do you have any memories of him being alive at all? Or dying or anything? No. Okay, no. well, there you go. I was just uh, curious about that. Mm, no, I seem to remember like Harry Nilsson dying. It was just like something that came up, like well, people talking about. I was a senior in high school then. Yeah, when none of us were watching Camp Candy at the time. Yeah. I mean, I was. Well, yeah, but, yeah. I mostly just remember this song being on the Muppet Show. Yep. Yep. yep All right. Yep, yep. Okay. Let's see. Um, has anybody seen the, the movie Son of Dracula? That's another question. I have a lot of questions for no, you guys. No, yeah. I have not. Yeah. I you've, went, seen, you've seen the yeah, Son of I went, Dracula? I went through a phase where I was watching Ringo Starr movies. Like Caveman? A caveman or uh, Magic... What I wrote it down. Magical Christian. Magic Christian. That had a great scene of uh, a bunch of people getting whipped on a boat. But uh, Harry Nilsson's the lead actor. To He's the Son of yeah. Dracula, right? Was mm. he any good? He was not without it's, his charm. It's a wacky, it's a wacky coconut movie in some way. <coughs> it's one of those movies I watched in high school when I was, you know, going through a phase. Okay, so you don't remember it all. Yeah. Gotcha. I also rewatched The Dark Crystal, thinking it might be good. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, any other fun facts? Okay, yeah. So this this song has been described as a novel, novelty calypso song, but hey, fuck you, Wikipedia source. This is the number one wacky coconut song. <laughs> uh, it features four characters, all played by Nilsson. Uh, it's it's uh, about a little girl with a stomach ache and a little island medicine. I assume Harry was inspired by a hangover because, as sure I was uh, I was about him being from England, I was also sure he was an alcoholic. I'm not 100% on that, uh, but I'm pretty sure he was uh, because I hear it in his songs and his voice when I listen to him. Uh, I love Harry Nilsson. Maybe I should find out, watch his movies and uh, whatever. He's a wacky coconut, this guy. Yeah, we did it. We're coconut. What didn't make the list, Steve? Um, the only other coconut song I can think of off the top of my head was "Coconut Grove" by David Lee Roth. But despite being a song about coconuts by David Lee Roth, it's surprisingly not wacky. Hmm. I, yeah, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was actually going to play that in the when I didn't have a lot of choices for the opening. Um, because I found it interesting that David Lee Roth, the guy, the wackiest guy in music, had the worst wacky coconut song, the least <laughs> wackiest wacky coconut song. I know it was a cover, yeah, but he it, still made the choice of doing it. Yeah, um, he's he's just holding up the mirror, man. Well, yeah, that's what I. I so my theory is two things. That's where the coke is. <laughs> my my theory is two things. One, he it was he was so wacky, and it it, it gave him a what a wackaholic would call a sober moment. Uh, or two, when somebody so wacky thinks of wacky coconuts, it kind of like, it, it averages them out. Like the funniest person in your high school moving out to L.A. to be a comedian and getting really bummed out that everybody's just as wackier or wackier than yeah. him. So I think doing a wacky coconut song kind of bummed him out. Mm. Anyways, that's my theories on why David Lee Roth ruined the genre. <laughs> uh.
Uh, Dave? Uh, I would have gone with I have a lovely bunch of coconuts. Yeah, like my intro song. No, I would have done it by Merv Griffin because that is way wackier. Is it tropical? Is it Caribbean themed? Yeah. Do you guys ever, uh, oh, Coconut Man by Taj Mahal, or have you guys ever heard of Howard Livingston and the Mile Marker 24 band? No. They make Jimmy Buffett sound smart. Oh, wow, that's a high compliment. Um, I would say maybe uh, Coconut Soldier by Bob Marley. Yeah, that's a jam. Coconut Soldier. Red Luck Banana. Well researched. All right, well, that wacky coconut. Steve, what are you doing next time, you know? Uh, I don't have a name for it yet, but I'm going to do all the uh, the overtly disturbing songs I found during my David Lynch core research. Fun. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so thank you for Jeff Selby for sending in the bumpers. We have a lot of bumpers in the hopper, but I knew Jeff's would be wacky and perfect for this episode. Uh, Jeff wants us to plug a charity as well. It's called Political Research Associates. Uh, politicalresearch.org It's been fighting white supremacy in the U.S. since 1981. Terrible job. Uh, yeah, yeah, they really have. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, their work is especially vital now. You know. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but the only white supremacy I can get behind is tasty coconut meat. So white and so supreme. Delicious. You know, you know, I never liked coconut when I was younger. I didn't like the texture, but now that I'm older, it's it's really tasty. Yeah. And coconut milk makes a great addition to any curry if, uh, if you don't want to use dairy, if you don't want to put heavy cream in your... Oh, it's uh, a, yeah, it's I a just, must for a curry. I just ate a shitload of curry, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the coconut milk actually was part of it that I enjoyed. Uh, I got something to plug. I think Do it. I plugged it last time too, but my guest appearance on Hold My Order, Terrible Dresser. Is that the name? Podcast, yeah. It's uh it talks about when you couldn't say the name of songs and it was Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer. They called it Hold My Order, Terrible Dresser. Ah. Um it's a deep deep dive nerd uh, breakdown of the television show WKRP. Uh, dropped yesterday. You can hear the hosts Michael Grasso and Rob McDougal and myself talk about WKRP, we talk about George Orwave, Divorce Corps, and how I think Frasier is stupid. Check out the show wherever you get your podcast. It's really great. Uh, okay. And while this you're listening to this, probably a terrible hurricane, so I want to mention again that a couple charities that do good work in the face of disasters like Hurricane Irma. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Red Cross and UNICEF are always good, um, but there's also look. Take a look at Doctors Without Borders. They always go to the places around the globe where medical assistance is needed the most. Uh, let's see. But with that said, make sure to always do your due diligence when it comes to giving to charities. Um, there's always a scumbagger 2000 trying to exploit a disaster for personal gain by setting up bogus charities. That's my business. Huh. Um, and I heard some interesting stuff that, you know, give to the Red Cross and UNICEF, but then also do some research and find, like, local charities. Like, this hits Florida hard. Well, find, that's, like, a that's... Florida Christian charity that, like, gives food away, because that, that money will stay in Florida and help for, like, a much longer period yeah, of time. Yeah, and, and we give a lot to American charities, but I think have a feeling that this is going to hit a lot of the islands really, really mm, hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is where it hasn't really touched down yet and done a t- ton of damage so nobody's set up yet for the disaster that's happened but i assume by the time this airs it's going to happen and those all all those specific ones will be set up but just make sure that they're on the up and up before you give because sandy had a problem with that i'm sure harvey has a problem with people Mm -hmm. like ripping people off and it's a bummer 
Uh, all right, find this week's playlist, Wacky Coconuts, by following J.D. Rizner on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy t-shirts, read the captain's blogs, send us an email, figure out how to do it on YachtRock.com, whatever. Uh, go to YachtRock.com to check out the Yachtsky scale. Uh, send questions via Twitter at YachtRock, like YachtRock on Facebook. Follow Beyond YachtRock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help us pick up heat, so please take the time today to write us a review. Themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Recorded by Matt Brousseau, our produceau. Thanks to the entire Fair Audio family. And check out other Fair Audio... Offer. Come. I ran out of gas. Yeah. That's all right. We're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feral Audio.